Good morning, everyone. I'm Tim Gospeler. Uh, thank you for being here this morning. The title of my message is Hearken, Obeying the Voice of God. And I'm gonna, there's, there's going to be a few verses in Scripture in here that you may want to jot down the reference to because they uh, have been added into the message. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. Um, but the verse really that captured my attention was John 10, verse 27. And that reads, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And that intrigued me, that combination of hearing the voice of God and obeying and following God. So that is the basis for my message this morning. Um, and I'm going to be looking at a, a particular role model in Scripture that illustrates that. And then we're going to take a look at what does it mean to hear the voice of God. But the title of my message is Hearken, and that's not a word that we hear very often. In fact, the King James Version of the Bible, if you type that in, it appears 153 times in the King James Version of the Bible. That's actually quite a few. If you have a newer translation, like an NIV or an ESV, zero. They didn't, they didn't change anything. So, but it intrigued me a little bit. Started looking at uh, what was up with that. And there are several words in the Greek that are translated as obey. Some of them in other translations are translated differently. I'll give you an, an example of this. Um, one word that's translated obey is also translated persuade. Uh, it means to make friends of, to win one's favor, to gain one's goodwill, or seek to win one over. Oftentimes that's translated as obey, could be persuade, could be listen to. But there's another word also in the Greek that is often translated in newer translations as obey. It also means listen to or hearken, and that's how it's translated in several situations in the King James Version. That word is hupakuo, if you're interested. Um, but the definition that grabbed me about that word uh, is this. Literally, it means of one who on the knock at the door comes to listen who it is. So you get that picture. They hear the knock at the door, and they go and listen attentively for who it is that's knocking at the door. And that word is translated, can be translated obey. But hearken is what I want to get across this morning. I'll give you two verses where that word uh, is used, and it's translated obey in both of them. But listen to that. Think of that image, hearing the knock and listening to the voice. One is Romans 6.16, actually just a few verses after the verse that um, Adam read. And... Um, and it also uses that same word. Do you not know, so Romans 6, 16, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? That's that word. Slaves of the one that you hearken to. Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. And that just reinforced the fact, okay, there's something about this listening and obeying that's pretty serious because the consequences are death, or righteousness. Another verse that uses that same word, Hebrews 5, 9, says, talking about Jesus, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. 
It's that word, hearken again, listening for the knock attentively. The source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So this idea of hearkening, listening, and obeying is pretty important. Um, so that's what we're going to look at today. How do we hear that voice? Why should we be listening for it? And what do we do once we hear it? And I want to do that by illustrating from Scripture one of my favorite role models. Um, three examples that I'm going to give you. And one of my favorite role models, if we're playing Bible trivia together, is Joseph, the husband of Mary. Because we know so little about Joseph, but the things that we do are so powerful to me. A normal person who hears the voice of God and obeys. He's, he's my poster child for hearing and obeying the voice of God. And I want to give you a couple of examples from his life. And you'll know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> These are not in chronological order. So the first one, Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, un unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So in this example, Joseph had a problem. Mary had received the announcement from the angel and had gone to visit her relative Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. She had been gone for three months. She comes back. And it says that they were betrothed. And at that time, if you were betrothed to someone, you had the same obligations to one another as if you were married. It just hadn't been fulfilled yet. That's why it refers to Joseph in verse 19, where it says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He's already referred to her as her husband. So here's Joseph's problem. Mary comes back, and it is apparent that she is going to have a baby. And soon, the whole town is going to know Joseph's problem. But it's kind of even bigger than that for Joseph, because Joseph knows it's not his baby. Joseph has a problem. And it says in verse 20, but he considered these things. I'll bet he considered them. I bet there was a little stress and a little anxiety going on. He considered these things, uh, and he had made... Um, it's, here are a couple of things it says about him. It says he was a just man. He was unwilling to put her to shame. He was discreet. He was honorable. And he was following the law on how to divorce in this situation. Everything that he came up with in this plan was right down the middle. More gracious than he really needed to be. Or in many cases, if it were some of us in that situation, um, more gracious than we would be. But he had a problem, and he was contemplating on a way out. 
and God had, and he came up with a plan, but God had different plans for him. <clears throat> so the first example of hearing the voice of God is that sometimes God reveals his voice to us for the present. We've got a problem. We're uncomfortable where we're at. We're seeking answers. We're attentive. We're seeking God. And at that time, God's voice gives us peace and courage, as it did in Joseph's case in this time. You see the storm ahead of you. You have ideas of what that storm is going to be like. God word, God's word says, don't be afraid. I see the storm. Don't be afraid. Even if we think we know what's coming, don't be afraid. Joseph hearkened and obeyed God as he wrestled with this problem, but he was attentive and ready and willing to listen because he had a problem. So I want to give you another example. Matthew 2, 19 through 23. Now, at this time, uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus were in Egypt. And starting in verse 19, But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So scholars say that Joseph and Mary and Jesus may have been in Egypt maybe six months. Maybe it was as long as two years. And, and Israel, or uh, Egypt at that time, the border of Egypt from Bethlehem is about 60 miles. It's about from here to St. Paul. So that's the length of their journey and their separation from where they were living. Maybe further than that, but, but it wasn't across the world. It's close by. So you can think, just imagine, Joseph and Mary and Jesus are in Egypt, and it's months and maybe years. So they got a place to live. They're connecting into a community, just like we would. Joseph's finding a way to make a living. He's practicing his trade. Joseph doesn't have a problem right now. He doesn't have a problem today. But the voice of God comes to him. In this case, and to us in the future, we might be comfortable where we're at. We may have our own plans. We're not looking for an answer, and yet the voice of God comes and calls us into something that is unknown. We know what we have around us. We're not looking for an answer. We don't have a problem. But he comes and, uh, and, and speaks to us anyway. We may have to wrestle with that call. Is this really the voice of God? It sometimes answers the question, in the first case, it, we may have been ans answering the question, what now, God? What now to solve my problem? In this case, we may be asking the question, what then? What happens when I get to Israel? I've, I kind of got it 
it's, things are going okay for me here. And you call me into this place and you don't tell me what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen. We find ourselves asking ourselves the question, what then? We might, we might wonder whether it's a good idea, this idea that seems to have popped into our head. And in Joseph's case, it was clear. He recognized God's voice. Some other examples of those that were in a similar situation as Moses was walking by the burning bush in the desert. He kind of had a pattern to his life. He had been a shepherd for a, a long time, uh, tending the herds. He wasn't looking for a new job. And the voice of God came anyway. Jonah is another example. When the voice of the Lord came to him and said, go to Nineveh and cry out against it. He wasn't looking for travel plans. Same kind of situation. And you can see the result. You see in the life of Moses how he argued. He tried everything he could think of in that conversation to get out of. Now think about this. He's talking to God in a burning bush. And he has every excuse why this is probably not a good idea. Jonah figures, yeah, I'm not really looking for a road trip. But now that you mention it, I think I'll go to Tarshish. And heads in the opposite direction. So... Uh, this is certainly not unique to Joseph, and it's not unique to those in the Bible. We have this situation where God gives us a call uh, and, and a, into something that is unknown. Now, here's another example, the last one for today. Matthew 2, verses 10 through 18. This is speaking of the wise men now. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. So this is an example in Joseph's life where God spoke in the moment. He was confronted with a situation and was confronted with a command at the same time. It required immediate action. There wasn't time to consult friends. There wasn't time to pray about this. He couldn't sleep on it a few days. To give you an idea, Jerusalem, where Herod was most likely at at this time and would be dispatching this, his army, is about eight miles from Bethlehem. That's about from here to Howard Lake. So if we got the word that a whole army of people is in Howard Lake ready to kill you, you, you would probably not sleep on it for a few days. And, and scholars would agree that the way that the text is written would be consistent with Joseph hearing that voice and getting up and leaving that same night. 
that they were gone before dawn on that same day. And we can see why from what happened next, why the immediacy was so critical, but Joseph didn't know that at the time. All he knew was he had the command of God to rise and that Herod was, was going to try to kill the child. There's a phrase in contract law, time is of the essence. And what that means in a contract is that the performance of those duties are so time sensitive and critical that if you delay um, beyond a, uh, uh, even beyond a reasonable amount of delay, the purpose for the fulfillment of the contract is void. The contract can be rescinded. There's no point in you acting if you delay. Time is of the essence. It's a time often that we have to act instead of think. So let me give you a couple examples of how this um, God's voice in the moment can come to us. It can come to us with the word of scripture immediately that gives us direction on what to do in this situation. It can be God prompting us with a name that comes through our mind that we haven't thought of in years to give them a call. It might be to pray for someone. You don't know why. You don't know what's going on. They may be on the other side of the world. You just wake up with them on your heart and think, I have to pray. I don't know what it's about. That's another example of the time where God gives us his voice in the moment. It might be to go talk to someone. And it might be a situation where um, you have your own plans, you have your own schedule, um, you're heading this way, and God says, I should go talk to that person. You feel that prompting, except that person just got up and they're starting to walk away. Now you've got a decision to make. And you don't really have very long because they're going towards an elevator and the doors are going to close. So you've got to make a decision. And then really the decision is... You've got time enough to act. You don't have time enough to think. So he speaks to us in the moment. It might be unfamiliar. It might be out of our comfort zone. It might not even make sense at the time, but it's nonetheless uh, God speaking to us in the moment. So those are three examples. And I sort of put them in order of how challenging they are as believers to hear and to obey. First of all, when we have a problem, when we're attentive, that might be the easiest situation because we're so ready and eager and listening. We're already at the door listening. The second situation, we're not really listening. We're making all kinds of reasons why maybe this isn't a good idea. I got a bunch of reasons why I shouldn't act. And then the, that last example I gave you was maybe in some ways, can, it's, it may be the most challenging because it, it doesn't give us the chance to get comfortable with that thought before that opportunity is gone. In some ways, it might be easy. You don't have to think. You just act. So how do we hearken to the voice of God? Let's look at that. What does that mean? How do we hear the voice, and what do we do when we hear it? Well, here's some ways that we can hear the voice of God. First of all, the word of God. That is our authority. And as we meditate and memorize and, 
and reflect on scripture and devotion and reading, those words become part of what we know. And the word of God becomes a resource for us that's in our mind. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It is preparation in advance. We know we can trust the word of God. If the word of God tells us to obey, we can confidently obey the word of God. And it's in preparation for us being equipped for every good work. Another way that we can hear the voice of God is in prayer. Prayer is our will being conformed to God's will. And I would suggest pray out loud. What has been helpful for me is that when I pray out loud, I can hear my own voice. I can hear my will being conformed. I can hear my mind being changed as I'm praying. I like to hear that out loud. Uh, it helps me to give glory to God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Those two thoughts are connected. Pray, don't be anxious, peace of God. They're connected. That's how God gives us his voice and how we can hear his voice. He can speak to us through other believers. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, that's directed to the one who is doing the encouraging, but turn that around on the person who's receiving it. When you have a believer in the word, in prayer, and they are instructed, encouraged, and, and directed by God to give you encouragement. Listen. Now, don't, uh, we're not looking for opinions because everyone's got an opinion. We're not necessarily, we're not looking for worldly wisdom. Consider the source. Consider, is this person um, uh, um, are they in the word? Are they praying? What, has, what have you been seeing in their life? Is God active and working? Um, test what they're saying. Because not everything that someone may say to you is the voice of God. It takes some discernment. And so I have been, and the last one here that we're going to talk about is the still small voice. And again, I put this sort of in order of maybe how challenging it is as believers to hear the word of God. So the first one, the word of God, the authority of God, the written word of God, it's God's voice written down for us. Prayer, that might be more challenging because it is dynamic. I haven't prayed the prayer I'm going to pray this afternoon yet. It doesn't exist. It's not written down in advance. It's prayed at that time. And so there is a discernment and a process that you work through that's active and dynamic and kind of live, if you will. 
As we move on to that, that next step, other believers, again, that requires discernment to not listen to everything someone says, to be, but be able to discern and hear the word of God. And oftentimes, those, those, the, the counsel of other believers is just directing you back to the word of God. And that can give us the confidence of knowing, yes, God, it is you speaking through this person. Thank you. The still small voice, the promptings are maybe the most challenging. But you have to know something, some principles. First of all, you have the spirit of God and the mind of Christ as a believer. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 12 and verse 16 says this, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. We have received that, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. That's the purpose. The Holy Spirit is in you for a reason. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. There's a verse up here posted in preparation for Vacation Bible School from Romans 8 that says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. You have to believe that. You have to know that as a believer. That still small voice can be a prompting from the word. At a point in time, a verse of scripture might come to your mind that speaks to that situation that you're in. You can rely on that. If it's the words of God, you can rely on that. We recognize it's the voice of God because it's the words of God. And the amazing thing he does it in whatever translation we've memorized. I, I don't know how that happens, right? We, he, we hear the voice, but it, is, but it is the voice of God. Sometimes we get specific direction. And this is maybe the most challenging piece, um, but it's maybe the one that I wanted to communicate to you the most. When we receive specific direction, like some of those examples that I gave you earlier, you hear uh, you, a, a person's name that you haven't thought about in years pops through your mind. I should call that person. Or I should... Um, go visit that person, or I should pray. That's the kind of prompting, that still small voice that I'm talking about. So what do we do when we hear that? Is this the voice of God? Some people will say, well, that's just, you could do anything you want and say, God told me. You could rob a bank and say, well, God told me to do it. Well, no, you can't. There's some principles that we can apply here. Are we in the word and praying? Is that, does that describe our situation? And if we're not, maybe that's the first prompting we should obey, is to get in the word and pray. Does it violate the word? Does it violate the spirit in our conscience or the witness of the gospel? Is what this voice, this prompting, is it violating what I already know about God? Well, if it is, then don't do it. I can tell you personally, I have thoughts that come into my mind that uh, I should not obey. It happens, right? We have a sin nature. Not every thought that pops into our mind is the thoughts of God. But if it doesn't violate the word, if it doesn't violate our conscience, 
If it doesn't violate the witness of the gospel and God says, go talk to that person, what I'm encouraging you to do today is act. And go talk to that person and find out why in the world God would be calling you over to that person. You may not have the answer in advance. You may not have the answer even when you're done. But that's okay. <coughs> act and reflect. And the reason that you want to reflect is that it's in that process of learning it's as if you're learning the voice of the shepherd. You start to recognize what he sounds like. And you do that by acting and reflecting on what you uh, are led to do. Was God in this? Did something bad happen when I obeyed this? And if it didn't, remember that so that when that prompting comes again, um, you can more surely and more quickly act and then it doesn't become a stressful thing it becomes an exciting thing some council uh, it really this is um, we celebrated Nathan my son's graduation here last night and there were three tables that I talked to where I had gone up and in the conversation it came up that I was sharing this message sharing the message this morning the question was asked, well, what are you sharing about? And I would tell them, hearing the voice of God, three times on three different tables, the response was, well, that's interesting. We were just talking about that. And so <laughs> I was all ears. I said, tell me. I may need to change my sermon. <laughs> Give me what you got. And there were, there were many testimonies that I heard last night of this exact thing that I'm talking about that are, uh, and I'll share a few with you tonight. Um, we could go in long into the evening hearing testimonies of how God worked in this way. Even after the first service out here, I had testimonies that are, are better examples than what I'm going to share you now from people that shared with me. We could be here all day hearing about the testimony of how God chose to use us in a moment. Um, another example from Scripture uh, in Acts 8. Um, Philip God just says, rise and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's all he said. Well, the road to Gaza, that's about from here to, to Delano away. It's, you know, it's, it's longer than you just, you're going to want to walk for no reason. <clears throat> and there, as he's walking, he, come, he had come to Jerusalem. As he rose, he went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. Now, Ethiopia, that's a long ways away. That's about 100 days by foot. Th that's a long, and he was just starting out. He had just left Jerusalem, and he was between here and Delano. And Philip gets the message, just go on the road. I'm not going to tell you why. Just go. In verse 28, he was returning, seating in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Again, in the moment, that's the, that's the chariot. He's in, been on the road from here to Delano walking, right? And he sees the Ethiopian, and the spirit at that point says, go and talk to that one. And then he didn't even tell him what to say at that point. Philip just goes up and it unfolds, and, and he receives his salvation. Right? Another example of God speaking in the moment from Scripture. 
I'll share two examples with you um, from my own life. And actually, there are way better examples that I heard even this morning, but I'll share these two. Uh, I was going to work one morning on Highway 12 heading into Delano, and um, it is not my habit to pick up hitchhikers. I have picked up hitchhikers. I have stopped with people that I know who ran out of gas and given them a ride. I have, but it's not my habit. It doesn't occur to me when I see someone walking on the road that I should pick up a hitchhiker. I'm driving along and the person's walking. In fact, I don't even remember if they were hitchhiking. I think they were just walking. As I got up to them, I'm going 55 miles an hour. It's just past where the go-kart track is. Um, as, I, as I get up alongside of them, I hear this voice that's as clear as if someone's sitting in the back seat just says, pick him up. Just three words. And immediately, I convinced myself I didn't hear anything. And I keep driving, because I got a morning meeting. I'm heading into work. I, I think of five or six reasons why it's a bad idea to pick this guy up. First of all, I don't know who this guy is. I'm alone. He might kill me, right? If it were today, who knows what kind of disease he's carrying. He wasn't wearing a mask, I can tell you that. <clears throat> so I'm arguing with myself, I think, on why I shouldn't pick this up and realize I'm not arguing with myself. I'm arguing with God. <clears throat> so about three miles down the road, I pull over, turn around, go back, I pick him up. And that's a, a, a moral of that story. Um, just pull over. Don't, don't keep driving. It just wastes gas and time. I mean, it's just quicker. Just do it. So I pull over and pick him up. Older gentleman, he had been walking from somewhere west of Wilmer, and he was heading into the Minneapolis to look for somebody. His first language was Spanish. He didn't have a second language. So it was a challenge. So as we're driving to Delano, I'm trying to share the gospel with him, and I don't know if he's understanding any of it or not. I get to Delano, we pull into Subway, I buy him breakfast and a couple of bottles of orange juice and some water and uh, try to communicate with him. It's not going real well. I go to work. That's the end of the story. I don't know what happened. Sometimes you don't know what happens. That doesn't mean that wasn't the voice of God. And I'm not sure I got it right, but I'm glad I, I'm glad I obeyed. And now I know what that voice sounds like. That's one more example where I recognize the voice. Another example, this is a little, this is to my shame, right? So uh, just the fact that I, I'm telling you stories where I think I hear the voice of God, that's, I'm not telling you that I'm a better Christian than everybody else. That's not it at all. Just that I'm learning to obey and hear his voice. Um, we were looking for a car for my daughter, Amy. And uh, on the way to, on, the, on Montrose, right in the light, there, uh, by the light, there was this little car dealer, and they always had a couple of unique cars sitting there, right? And I drove by one time, and I saw this four-door Jaguar in really good shape. And it was like from the mid-'80s. And I knew nothing about Jaguars, or I would have never even thought twice about it at that point. But I thought, hey, wouldn't that be a sweet car? 
And so I stopped, I looked at it, I took it for a test drive. That was a blast to drive a Jaguar. And I thought, yeah, this, this could be the car. And I talked to Susan, hey, I found this car, I think it might work. Well, I trust you. I trust your judgment if you think this is right. And I'll tell you, this is what I was thinking. I was thinking, I'd buy this car for Amy, and then the gas mileage wouldn't be very good, and she wouldn't like to drive it. I'd trade her my 2001 Honda Civic, teach her how to drive a manual transmission, and then I'd take the Jaguar myself. And I was, I had talked to the guy and said, okay, we'll take it. Well, I'll come back tomorrow morning with a check and we'll deal with all the financial stuff. And, and literally on the way home, I'm thinking, I'm, I, I know where I'm in a park so the most people can see it. And I have these thoughts where I'm giving my coworkers, we're going out to lunch a lot, and I've got, I've got men and women coworkers that I'm giving rides to in this car. That's what I was thinking. There's nothing wrong with that, really, right? So I tell Susan when we get home, Susan, I found the car, we're gonna buy it, here's how much, um, we'll just go in the morning, you can drop me off and, and then head home and I'll take the car into work. I wrote out the check the night before, but something is not settling quite right. I'm feeling a little like maybe I shouldn't, maybe this isn't the right plan, but I already gave my word, I already said I'm gonna take it. Um, Susan already agreed. Uh, and, and I remember before I went to bed that night, I said, God, if this really isn't what you want me to do, you've got to give me something. I need a dream. I need a dream because we're leaving in the morning to pick this thing up. Went to sleep. Got up the next morning. No dream. Thinking, okay, here it comes. I'm literally seeing the keys dangle in my fingers. And... Uh, as I'm getting ready, Susan gets up and she said, oh, wow, I didn't sleep very good last night. I had the strangest dream. <laughs> it was about that car and you were acting really strange and you were giving, there were other women in the car with you and you were driving around. <laughs> I thought, that is exactly what I needed to hear. <laughs> it was God's voice, it was <laughs> given to her and thank God I listened to my wife. Um, that's a harder lesson to learn. I'm not so good at that one yet. <clears throat> but God speaks to us in so many different ways if we're willing to be obedient, if we're willing to hearken. Get that picture in your mind of hearing the knock at the door and going to the door and diligently listening for who's on the other side and expect God to speak through his word, through prayer, through other believers in, in that still small voice in the moment, regardless of what situation you find yourself in. This morning at um, prayer time, the elders meet for prayer before the service in the morning. And Keith brought this passage that he prayed. He did not know what my message was this morning, but I want to read this to you as the benediction, so I'm gonna pray and we'll stand up and I wanna read this to you and just see again what, see if you can hear what I was hearing as Keith was reading this in prayer this morning. So let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you 
for your word. Thank you for desiring to work through us and in us. That you give us your voice. That we can rely on it to be your hands and feet in all the places that you put us. God, teach us to trust you, to be discerning, to be wise, but to be obedient and hearkening to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd ask you to stand as I read this um, final verse. This is from Proverbs 2, verses 2 through 12. And um, Keith didn't know what the sermon was this morning, so just listen to this. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasure, pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from the men of perverted speech. Amen. Go in peace.